Welcome to week number 219 of the Two Guys in a Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Happy Black Friday, Steve. Black Friday. Did you get anything cool or are you planning on getting anything cool? I really want a whole new set of coolers. I want oh, okay. a really nice cooler. Like You're like, not like waiting in line right now to go get those? No, the internet changed everything. But I want I want nice coolers. I want a nice cooler and a nice cooler backpack, and then I'll and that's what I want for right. Black Friday. I think we're getting the TV, a new one. So nice. How big? Not that big. Like fifty five for the bedroom. Well, you broke up. I don't know what you said. Really like giant? Not no no. Like fifty five for like the bedroom, not for like a main TV. Or oh, anything. okay. Like 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 a Frank like a like a Frank Lambert size TV. Yeah, yeah but without without a ninety inch box around it though. <laughs> True. True. I mean, TGF is always better, bigger. That's true. Uh, Welcome, everyone. New listeners, old listeners, um, people that got here on accident. We don't care. We're glad you're here. Good for you if you got here on accident. Uh, We're a TGIF. We are a TGIF podcast. We watch every show that comes on TGIF, whether it aired one time and never the show aired again, or it's a classic like Family Matters where we are in the middle of season five right now. That's right. Since the beginning. We got a lot to talk about. We've got four new episodes, but before we do that, thank you to Nikki for the theme song this week. Nikki, thank you, thank you, thank you. TGIFcast at gmail.com. That's where you email in your own version of the theme song. Anyone can make one. It's very easy to do. Travis can tell you that. You email it in, we play it on the show, and then uh, we don't say much about it because a lot of times they're not very good. No, they're all great. We love them all. They're all fantastic. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep coming. Uh, at TGIF cast on all social media. If you want to follow us, get updates of what we're doing, where we're going to be. And uh, yeah, that's the main stuff. Uh, we've got four episodes to talk about. But before we do that, we do like to see what was going on in the world 30 years ago, the week that these episodes would have aired. Now, these episodes, we know they were back in November of 93. What was the actual date that these aired? Yeah, these would have aired Friday, November 26th, 1993. And uh, on that week, I got just one story. Uh, it's a music okay. story. I made sure it didn't okay. step on your toes. Uh, okay. It was the uh, debut of a big album, big enough okay. that it ended up being the album of the year for 1994. Well, I didn't look at 94. It might step on my 1994 toes. But well, it's al- I mean, well, it's album of the year, so it comes out now. But it's it. This is like it's of it's you know the award show thing. Like the time period takes place from like November to. October or whatever. So, okay, all right. What do you got? Any guesses? Album of the year. In '94, I mean, my '94 out. So in 1994, I was listening mainly to music that was not like, you know, didn't weren't you still getting all your Columbia House records at that point? Oh well, throughout the '90s, but at this point, it was like this was like the the kickoff of grunge. This was like. You've got your, you know, this is when when your Pearl Jams and Nirvanas were huge, or you know, things like that were big. That's kind of where I was. Except there was also some of that Z104 mixed in, so you had like your Boys to Men, Salt and Pepper, Salt and Pepper, um, things like that. So I don't, I don't really know where to go with this. I mean, Boys to Men. I feel like Boys to Men was the biggest Snoop song on MTV. Doggy no. Dog. That was the album of the year. Album 1994. of the year released oh. November twenty third, nineteen ninety three. Doggy style. How about the year according to who? According the debut to the, like, album by Snoop Dogg. This is the Billboard album of the year. So d- based on Billboard sales. Al- that sales is and plays. wild. 
So I'm gonna hot take, real hot take. Sure. And, and we might lose listeners. Not that good of an album. There's only like one or two good I songs. Think, I think it is an extremely overrated album. Yeah. I think it is a very overrated album. I don't know if that's just because I'm not. Uh, uh, you know, I was more of a I have those East Coast sensibilities, but. Hmm. I am not a fan of doggy style. I'm, I'm honestly not a big fan of a lot of the death row stuff unless, unless, uh, you know, Dr. Dre is, is, is like, well, I think the Dr. Dre production is good, but who I'm so, I'm shocked that that's album of the year. I mean, it was huge, but wow. Cool. Good for, good for Snoop. Yeah. That's all I got for uh, news this week. What about what was number one in the theaters? What was number one on the radio? Yeah. No changes on the song. It's still, um, still meatloaf. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Um, still number one will be a, couple, a week or two more. We got a couple more weeks with it. Um, new movie though. And uh, you know that this is my favorite Thanksgiving movie, but uh, Adam's family values was the number one movie of the week. I love that movie. It's a great movie. Are you still watching it every year? Watched it. I mean, I watched it this week. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I'm, the tradition is still alive. So, it is yeah, I did know it was your favorite Thanksgiving movie. I have not gone back and watched it since you told me it was your favorite Thanksgiving movie, and I don't even know how it relates to Thanksgiving. Um, there's one scene at the end that is about Thanksgiving. Is this the one where they're at camp or no? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I was. I mean, and you were there for this too, and it was at it was at uh, it was at Awesome Con, I think, where I got to tell Christina Ritchie that it was my favorite Thanksgiving movie, and she was pretty that, much. That, I have no idea this guy's talking. She laughed. She chuckled. Well, then I asked her, like, what's her favorite Thanksgiving movie? And she's like, I don't really know any Thanksgiving movies. And so she said, like, her favorite holiday movie. And I can't even remember what it was. That wasn't important to me. It was more important just to tell her that it was my favorite. Any birthdays this Eli- week? Eli Roth might change that. We'll see how that movie goes. I want to see that. Uh, is, it no Eli- is it Eli Roth's birthday this week? Uh, I don't know when Eli Roth's birthday is. We could look. Is it anyone's birthday? TGIF it's related. no one TGIF related that we have we have gotten to so far. Okay, his birthday. Yeah, right. his birthday April eighth. So no, you know, I, not I almost said April eighteenth just randomly. Well, you were close. You would have been Ten very close. Yeah, Family Matters is your eight PM show. We're in the middle of season five, like we said. This is episode ten. All the wrong moves is the name of this episode. It starts off. We got Laura, she's doing some aerobics right there in the living room, and Eddie runs in, turns off the music, he's got some good news. Good news is, his friend Derek from Mighty Weenie likes Laura and wants to take her out on a date. We're going to know the entire crew of Mighty Weenie by the end of the show. They could have done a spinoff on like a Mighty Weenie, kind of like Good Burger style yeah. show, with just the folks at the Oh, Mighty does that Weenie. come out today? Good Burger? We're close. Is there it's, an- it's this week. Is there a new movie? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah. It's a, a Peacock exclusive or, Param- oh, or Paramount exclusive. Paramount. The, yeah. Paramount's got the Nickelodeon stuff. Good for you, man. Good for you. I will be watching that. Um, but we're talking about Mighty Weenie and uh, Laura. And Derek. Not very excited about a blind date. She's had some bad blind date experiences in the past. Even Steve Urkel was a blind date. She, that's how they met, apparently. I really enjoyed that line because it is a very relevant callback. It, Steve Urkel was a blind date. We all remember that episode. Oh, I don't remember one. that episode. That yeah, it was a blind date. Carl set up the blind date for like the homecoming dance or something that Laura was going to, and That's this right. that was the introduction of Steve Urkel. Was that was he was the blind date? And in my so, head, I was like, oh, she must have gone on a date, and then Steve fell in love mm-hmm. with her, and then he moved next no. door to her. That's not how it happened. No, this was the debut. That was the debut of Steve. He was That's the right. blind date for now. Laura, 
Uh, so I really, I really appreciated that she brought that up. So she doesn't want to go on any more blind dates, but uh, Derek ends up walking in from the kitchen. She sees Derek, and now she's in. Oh, she's all into it. Yeah. Theme song, we come back to Carl and Harriet. They're in the kitchen. They've got a bunch of credit card points, like 3,000 of them, and apparently that's enough to get like a TV or a refrigerator because Carl wants a TV, Harriet wants a new refrigerator, and uh, they argue a lot about uh, which one they're going to get. This is very reminiscent, by the way, of the step-by-step episode earlier in the season where Frank's like, I got I got this kind of like trade credit with one of my clients. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use it to get a TV. And she's like, what about a washing machine? You know, like something more practical. Uh, I think eventually the end of the argument, though, he does apologize for the argument, right? Well, I think what's key here is that he says something that is very oh, yeah. crossing the line where he says, I am the breadwinner. I will make the decision on what we get. We are getting a TV and she, he kind of immediately realizes he made a big mistake, but he doesn't really walk it back as far as you would need to, to get out of that mess. And kind He's of like, I it. don't apologize for saying, or like for meaning. He's it, like, I'm not wrong. It. Yeah. It's like, I'm not wrong, but I shouldn't have said it out loud. And, and that's that Harry. It's just like, <laughs> I'm out and goes upstairs. Yeah, so the next scene, we go to the Windy City drive-in. This is where the date's happening with Laura and Derek. We see them um, in the car, and apparently they've been going out for a week at this point, too. Yeah, this is a, seems to be a week later. Um, they It looks like they're about to start to kiss, but then Steve and Myra pull up beside them. They beep their horn. Steve's got his car, obviously. He, like, climbs out of the top of it. They're waving at them, and... Uh, then it gets to like Myra and Steve kind of like flirting and like growling at each other. Like, well, yeah. And Myra, Myra what, the, what they're really establishing here is that Derek seems to be kind of putting the moves on Laura. She, kind of this like intro stuff, this kind of like first base stuff. She's not too averse to it, but she's also kind of trying to watch the movie. And in the other car, Myra is, you know, just putting the moves on Steve constantly. Yeah. Um, as this is going on, Maxine and Waldo walk over to their spot for the drive-in theater. They put some chairs down, um, and we find out this is because Waldo's truck's in the shop, so they just walk to the theater, or at least got there somehow with some chairs, and uh, they're just going to watch it from the parking lot. And a grill. And a grill. I don't hate this style at all. I mean, it's probably not as comfortable as watching it in your car, but I also... I don't know. It might be more comfortable laying down. You're laying down, you're grilling out. Like, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Although, like, you don't get the whole, like getting like cuddling up you yeah. know, situation, but that's okay. Uh, the chairs that they're in like fall back at some point. looks like they get <laughs> concussions. Um, and uh, they check back in with the other cars. Laura is completely losing interest in Derek at this point. She's had it with him. She's done. We check in with Myra who is still trying to attack Steve. Uh, this she's is, like, I'm going to turn this car into a sauna and pulls him like below the window level. She's she's getting into it. And I mean, Derek, Derek is trying to, but he is he's not having uh, he's having a lot more pushback from Laura than I think Steve is capable of doing with Myra. Yeah, this is when Maxine and Waldo also start grilling hot dogs. Uh, we go back to Derek or and then uh, Waldo walks over to Derek's window and like knocks on it, gets him to roll down the window and says, do you have any gray poupon? I guess that commercial was pretty popular at this time. At this point. It was silly. Uh, but it does it this that does help establish a little bit more of Derek's character because he makes fun of Waldo and Laura's like he's one of my best friends like don't talk about him like that. Yeah, and this uh, making fun of Waldo is actually where we get the diss of the week. Amazing, Waldo's IQ was two points higher. His IQ would be two. 
So after that, uh, Laura starts getting mad at Derek for treating Waldo the way he's treating him, saying the things that he's saying. Um, she says Laura's his friend, and uh, or Laura says that Waldo is her Waldo, friend, yeah. and really, she doesn't like what he's doing. Right, right. And so she kind of essentially ends up kicking him out of the car as we come back from the commercial break. He's, She's like, I'm thirsty. Go get me a soda. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, you might have jumped ahead a little bit from where I'm at. Did um, I? Did I? I, just a couple little details that happened before that, um, where we go and check back in with Maxine and Steve, where she pulls him in for like this super long kiss. And it's so long. He's like, he ends up like just kicking his legs out through the front windshield of this car. And that's around the point where Laura gets, says, Derek, just go get me a drink. Like, go get yeah, me a soda. Yeah, okay. So he goes off to go get a drink. I'm glad you mentioned that because the physicality with what Myra and Steve are doing in the car, regardless of the making out physicality, but like the pure physical comedy that they are doing. That scene's that pretty good. That one long kiss. Yeah. Is is really good. I mean, they they're, they like switch places and they're upside down and they're they're doing some really, really cool, like fun comedy in that in that scene. Yeah. So Derek's going to get a going to go get a soda. Uh, Steve ends up swallowing his gum while he's making out with Maxine. And she's like, oh, I'll get it. And she like goes back in for another kiss to like <laughs> tongue it out of his mouth, I guess. And then Steve says, I'm going to go get some popcorn. So he goes out of the car, but instead goes over to Laura, well, Derek's truck, where Laura is, and gets in the car and tells Laura, Myra is just getting a little too frisky for me. And Laura's like, Derek is getting a little too pushy for me. And pretty much it ends with Steve offering protection if she needs it. If any, But Laura says she can handle herself. But also asking her if she'll help protect him from Myra. Like, they're both... And they're both, he's about trying to get both of them to like agree to help each other here. Laura's like, Steve, you don't need that. But uh, from here, we go back to the house, the Winslow house. Carl um, is being really like ob- over complimentative and really hamming it up with uh, with Harriet at this point, trying to get back in her good graces with the uh, argument that went on earlier. Oh, yeah. He is kissing ass. Um, she's like... <sighs> We're not right here. She says, thank you, and gives him... Oh, yeah. She starts handing him bills. Starts handing him bills. She says, well, since you think that this relationship is based on money, I'm going to start charging you for my services. Here's a $15 bill for dinner. Here's a $28 bill for your laundry. And here's a $2 bill for last night. <laughs> I, I was confused. But, like, I was trying to figure out the intention of the joke here, because you would oh, think that yeah. she would charge More. a lot. But then and he was like two dollars, and she's like, "You want me to itemize it?" And I, I was wondering if she was charging. It was supposed, the joke was supposed to be like charging by the minute, and that was the joke. I think the joke to, is like nothing happened last night, kind of thing. Well, I mean, obviously something did happen, but she laid next to him. That was two bucks. That's what I'm getting out of it. Okay, okay. So uh, yeah, she's gonna start billing Carl, and uh, from here we go back to the drive-in to check in, uh, Maxine. Not enjoying herself with Waldo. Myra is still trying to make out with Steve. Derek is still trying to make out with Laura. And Steve... Real quick, though. I want to take a step back to the Maxine thing. Maxine and Waldo thing. Because I think that this is an important contrast to the rest of the... To the other two couples. Because Waldo proactively asks Maxine if she's okay. She says, no, I I don't like this. I want to go. Something else happens that's unrelated to, to to Waldo. Like, nothing Waldo does wrong. And she's like, I really want to leave. And he's like, okay, well, then let's go. Like, he's... Checking on her, listening to her, and like 
like you know having you know they're both like being there together and and take care of each other as opposed to the other two couples which are just kind of like yeah yeah and that situation so steve is now hanging out the top of his car trying to get away from myra laura is just getting more and more angry with Derek, and steve and laura are having the same issues they're like both cars are doing are pretty much having the same issues where right. one person's being aggressive one person doesn't want any more of it and that's exactly been going on throughout um there's some more conversation and we do, we do find out here that uh they've been dating a week Derek and laura we knew that and Steve and Myra have now been dating for eight months. So although you wouldn't you wouldn't know it by the show, yeah. Although the same thing is going on, the amount of time they've been together is very different, right? Uh, then what really sets off Laura is Derek calling Laura a baby for the way that she's acting. So she is done at this point. Uh, Steve, they do a good job too with this point too, where they're going like they're really going back and forth a whole they lot. Are. Like the exact same conversation is happening, but they'll have like Myra say a line and then like Laura responding to the line that Myra says because it's like they're having the exact same conversation. Yeah, it is really good. Like to to like kind of illustrate your point. So Derek, you hear Derek call Laura a baby. Laura gets upset, says I'm not, and then but it, then it cuts to Steve, and Steve's like. I'm not a mama's boy, like kind of responding to that same, yeah. obviously it's type of comment that Myra said, although we don't hear Myra's side and and that's how it goes back. It, it's, it is done really well. So the first one to kind of settle things is uh, Myra and Steve. Myra agrees. She's willing to wait till Steve's ready. He is worth it. He is worth the waits and she's fine. Stop being aggressive. Right. Then we go to Derek who is still trying to uh, make out with Laura she ends up elbowing him, getting out of the car, telling Derek just to get out of here. Derek leaves in his car, and then Steve and Meyer, they see what happens. Steve offers uh, Laura the uh, this extra, I don't, I don't even think there's a third seat in this car, but offers there's her not. <laughs> to come over into his car, watch the movie with uh, him and Laura, and uh, give her a ride home after Myra, the movie's yeah. over. Myra, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there isn't room for her, but it is the, it's the right thing to do. He did the right thing. Yep, so they all cram into the front seat, or the only seat of uh, Steve's car, and uh, Steve is in the middle and looks very happy now. He is. Uh, Back at the Winslows, we check in one last time with them. Carl is uh, calling for Harriet, and he's got a surprise for her. He got her that fridge, and it looks like the exact same fridge that's already in the kitchen doesn't it like it doesn't look like an upgrade it looks like a. it's like, the exact same fridge i don't think yeah, it's, it's, any a, it's different. a lateral it's a lateral move as we call it in the business world um he's excited to give it to her she's not that excited she says that he doesn't get it it's not about the fridge it's about his attitude he apologizes she accepts end of the episode <laughs> done done credit scene we go back to the drive-in three of them are still watching the movie in the car Steve crawls out uh, the window to switch places with Laura. So he's in the driver's seat, um, drives away, and forgets that the uh, speaker box is still in the car and ends up pulling like all the wiring down from the theater. And that's it. Same gag as last week. Same gag as the uh, car sales place. And uh, that's it. We go to step by step. Step by step. 8.30. It's season three. It's episode 10. Sister Act is the name of the episode. We start off with Frank and Carol. They're going to a wedding. I thought maybe we'd have a wedding episode. Maybe the whole family is going, but I was wrong. 
I'm glad we didn't. I don't want to hear. I don't need to go to somebody else's wedding. Uh, Carol is worried she looks fat in the dress. She says she's going to go change. Cody says that she's just messing with his head. Yeah, she's she's just wasting time. Theme song. We come back to Cody, who's going into the kitchen to find Dana studying. Um, we've definitely had this before, right? With just Cody bothering Dana while she's studying in the kitchen, like like two episodes ago when he yeah. comes in and she's like, "I, you know, I want some peace and quiet," and he's like, "Everybody, everybody like quiet." This time she's reading a brief history of time and uh, uh quick note. I yeah. want to make a note here. This is just random observation. Having watched Adam's family values, okay. the same, you know, the night before um, exact same book is oh. being read by the main, like kind of nerd character at the camp um, in, in Adam's family values, which I thought was just strange. I don't know what happened that week in time that where they're like, we need to make sure Stephen Hawkins is relevant this week, but there you go. Yeah. Cody starts like trying to tell about all the wonders that he's got in the world. I mean, he's pretty much just listing like, what is Stonehenge for? How was the pyramids built? He says something right. else dumb too. I forget. Like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But um, she's like, just leave me alone, Cody. So she goes out. Karen gets home and wants to um, have some girl talk with Dana. Yeah, she needs Dana's help. She's got this plan because there's this dude at the at the diner that that they all work at pretty much that she thinks is hot but he's super smart and she doesn't know how to talk to him and so she wants dana to do some some intel for her yeah you go talk to this guy find out what he's into so that way i can just read up on that stuff have a conversation with him and then i'll be able to date him is her plan and dana's like i'm not doing that and then karen says well what if i offer my assistance to keep cody away from you for two weeks and she's like all right i'm in Good luck. Frank and Carol, we see them getting home from the wedding. She's mad that he didn't dance a lot, and that's going to set up... dance at all. Doesn't dance at all. That's going to set up the subplot for this episode. Um, well, Frank explains to her, like, I don't like dancing. I feel like I look stupid dancing. I don't know how to do it. It's just not something I want to... I'm not it, something I'm into, which you th- would think they would know by now, but whatever. Uh, we go to the 50s cafe. Karen is telling Dana, hey, he'll be here any minute now. Play it cool when Michael gets here. Um, she, I think... Dana's like, I got it. Go in the back, Karen. Karen goes in the back. And then uh, Michael comes in, sits at the bar. And then Michael and Dana have this like great conversation, reciting like lines of a poem back and forth to each other. Alan Ginsberg, Howell, yep. And uh, instantly there is a connection between the two of them. He likes her. She likes him. And uh, he asks her out right there. She's pretty hesitant at first. She's like, oh, no, like in her head, I shouldn't be doing this. My sister likes this guy. But then uh, she agrees to it. She's going to go out on a date with Michael. I mean, let's be honest. This just makes sense. Yeah, it does. How old is Karen? How old is Dana? I mean, we have this well, joke. I was going to get I, I was going to bring that up later, but all right, um, we'll, wait, we'll wait. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so Karen comes back out. I think Michael leaves with like his dollar Danish. Karen comes back out. She's like, how did it go? And, like, Dana lies to her sister, like, oh, no, I didn't really get anything out of it. I don't know. I don't think it's going to work out. And like, uh, that, No, 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 no. That's not what she says. That's not what she says. What she, what she says is, hey, look, it's it's kind of complicated. There's a lot for I got to figure out to help you out here. So it's, I'm going to have to keep talking to him for a while to, like, get a better sense of oh, who he right. is. And, and then I'll give you I'll report back to you. She kind of is, like, trying to bide some time, I guess. Yeah. But you can see that Dana does feel a little bad doing this. Like, she's She like, does. She does. She knows yeah. she really likes this guy, but she also knows her sister really likes this guy, and she feels bad for kind of stepping on her toes on this one. Yes. Yeah. So, from here, we're back at the house. Dana is 
on the phone, on her bed, talking to a friend and telling her friend about uh, Michael and how she didn't really steal him from Karen, like having that kind of a conversation. And she's trying to she's trying to excuse make an excuse. She's trying to, you know, justify what she's done. Yeah. And as they're on the phone, they cut real quick to uh, JT, Al and Brendan all downstairs in the kitchen, not only listening to the uh, phone conversation, but we find out they're recording all of the uh, probably all of the uh, other families conversations. Well, they've got a shoebox because JT is like, this is why it pays to record these conversations sometimes. Yeah, at and some point, I'll get the a good tape one. into like a shoebox filled with tapes. So, yeah. So they know the juice. They know what's going on with uh, Dana and Karen at this point. And Al suggests, let's just tell Karen and then Karen will kill Dana. And then Brandon and JT are like, yeah, chick fight. So that's what's going to happen. We go to Frank. He's watching TV. Uh, There's commercial on for the fishing magician, which he gets really excited for, tries to get on the phone and buy it. But Carol gets home and she says, Frank, I think I have the solution. I just bought this learn to dance kit from the store. Comes with music, comes with little feet you put on the ground. And uh, I'm going to teach you how to dance. And of course, he doesn't like it, doesn't like the idea. She starts laying everything out. She's like, here, put this music on. And they try it out. He at least gets he up, does. puts his feet on the markers on the ground, but ends up stepping on her toes pretty quickly, gets frustrated, and says he just doesn't want to do it anymore. I just want to say, I could watch just kind of clips of Frank getting excited about dumb stuff on TV, <laughs> for, for like, like regularly, like, Patrick Duffy like acting in the scene without really saying much of anything and just like watching this commercial and getting like super excited. It was it was good. It was just like a good little bit of kind of silent comedy. So after That's this, it. no, you're good. Um, we go upstairs. JT is going into Karen's room with a baseball bat. He's ready. He's like, here you go. I've come prepared. And it doesn't take long. He tells her about Dana and Michael and, uh, ends up playing her that tape that she recorded of the, or at least a clip of it from the uh, Does he play it? I don't remember him playing it. I remember he him does. just telling her. Yeah, he plays okay. it twice, okay. I think, too. Okay. Um, okay, Karen immediately picks up the phone, calls Michael. Well, 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 what she says is, he's like, you're gonna, here's a bat, you know, go go beat her up. She's like, no, 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 I've got a better, I've got a better plan than, than beating her up. I'm gonna be like psych- psychological about it. Or right, something psychological like pain. And uh, she picks up the phone, calls Michael. Hey, Michael, um, does she say who she she says? This is uh, Karen, right? Dana says she does. I think I mean, I think she does. Yeah. And he does because she does because he brings it up specifically later. And I just want to let you know that Dana's been lying to you. She's not 18 years old. She's only 14 years old. Of course, this is going to be a problem. It is a problem. Go to the 50s cafe. Michael's already there. He's waiting for Dana. He looks angry. Al, JT, Brendan, they're all kind of off in a booth to the side, waiting, cannot wait to watch what's about to unfold. (laughs) Dana comes in. Michael tells Dana that uh, Karen called him and told him the truth. He knows that she's only 14 years old. She's like, that's not true. I'm not 14. I'm 18 years old. Begging. And she's like, I know. I get it. You're young. He's also like, Karen told me you would say that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Michael does not believe Dana and all of her pleas to beg to prove that she's 18 years old. JT walks over and Dana's like, oh, perfect. JT, please help me out with this. Tell him how old I am. 
oh, you're 14. <laughs> and Dana just runs off saying that she's going to kill Karen at this point. She is. And so here, let's talk about the age thing here. Because okay. because I th- I think this is a good spot for it. Do we know that so the whole- Dana is the oldest? Dana is the oldest. Yeah. yeah. For, I, I will tell we brought this up a couple weeks ago. We did, I brought this yeah. up a couple weeks ago because for my entire life, I thought Karen was the older, the oldest child. Not realizing that Dana was the oldest child. But only mainly because I forgot, you know, that that, that there's I think we're about to have the same problem here. Well, of course we are. And everybody who's watching this episode probably had the same issue, which is that Dana is 18. Karen is not 18. 15, 16, right? Definitely. I don't even think she's 17. So the whole problem here is that this 20, we we, we established that he is 21. This 21-year-old finds out he is, in fact, not dating an 18-year-old, but is dating what he thinks to be a 14-year-old. And Karen seems to think that him dating a 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old would somehow sit better with him than, than that. Like, yeah. what is, like... It's just so off base. I mean, I get like she's a kid, I guess, so she doesn't understand. It doesn't really ruin the story, but it, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I get it. Um, I agree. I assume that's the same thing you were probably. It is like same yeah. place you were going, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she's gonna go and kill her sister at this point. So we go back to the house. Uh, Frank is telling Cody that Carol's mad at him. He didn't want to dance at the wedding. And Cody explains how women have always throughout history have had this thing where they just want contact from another person. And he also tells Frank he knows how to dance. He accidentally went to dance class once and learned how to dance like every dance. Yeah, he was supposed to go to guitar lessons and walked into the wrong building. So he offers Frank uh, some dance lessons. While uh, he's doing this, Dana comes in and goes upstairs to Dana's got a good reaction. She says, I don't have time right now, but I'm going to have questions. Yeah. Dana goes upstairs to talk to Karen. They argue about this whole Michael situation. Um, I don't know what I meant here. They both have things that the other wants. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, they get into this part of arguing where Karen's like, well, you're just so smart. Like, I just, I I can't talk to guys the way that you uh, that you can because you just know everything. You're so smart, and I have to use my looks. And Dana's like, yeah, but I'm not as attractive for, as you are. You can just go up to anyone and just look at them, and they'll date you. And then they both kind of, like, tell the other one, well, I think you're really smart. Well, I think you're really pretty. And they both, like, just compliment each other. Yeah, this is a kind of stereotypical sitcom wrap-up. Yep, they hug it out. Um, I guess that whole thing's settled. And then we go back to the kitchen. Mark brings down these, like, gross dishes from JT's bedroom that are stuck together. They've been sitting under his bed for so long. Um, Only time we see Mark the whole episode. (laughs) uh, Mark goes off to bed. Frank comes in. Well, like, Frank peeks in. Frank's in the uh, living room. and He's like, Carol, come here. I got something to show you in the living room. She's like, what is it, Frank? She goes in there. He has decorated the entire living room with candles. The lights are off, and he asks Carol to dance with him. They dance. She loves it. End of episode. Phone rings. Credits. Uh, Linda's on the phone, and we find out real quickly, Karen and Dana have a little plan for some payback on JT. They, uh, they know he's going to record this call, so as he's listening on the other line, they play a air horn in the phone to hurt his ears. I don't think that would work either. 
Maybe. I don't see why not. I mean, it'd be loud. I don't think it'd be that loud on the phone. I I do. I bet you. I bet you'd be pretty loud. Well, it was loud here, and uh, that's the end of the episode. Next up, we got Boy Meets World. We're still in season one of this show. Season one, episode nine, class preunion is the name of it. It starts off. We've got Corey. Um, he's talking to a video camera for some reason. I don't even know why. He's got his dad's camera though, right? He does have his dad's camera. He is doing like a 60 minute style kind of intro. And he um, the reason he's doing this is that he it sounds like he's been grounded or he's not been given something that he wants. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this whole like he's calling it like an expose on the neglected middle child. And so he like interviews Amy and Al is like, you're taking Morgan somewhere right now. Why did you why aren't why don't you do anything for me? You gave her a necklace. Why don't I get anything? And they're like, well, uh, I can't remember what he did something that he got him got him grounded oh he called canada he was calling canada to hear canadian accents and that is why he was grounded and now upset that he's treated like this yeah so they're taking morgan to a birthday party they got her a new dress he's upset and uh on the way out the door his dad's like whatever you do just be careful with my video camera and after he leaves Corey drops the camera drops it right says next does. week we'll be talking about being and what it's like to spend a week in, in uh a week round it a week round it says uh after the theme we are in feeny's class now they're having well i guess uh cory and minkus are up front having a little debate on taxes cory thinks all this stuff's boring why do we need to talk about history this the past well, is already done fun fact and let's let's like kind of like clarify that a bit. They're having like a they're having like a fake debate where Corey is George Washington and Minkus is King George. This is like the Revolutionary War. They're debating the taxing taxation of the colony and the the beginning of the war. Um, the fun fact part is that in Boy Girl Meets World later, when Corey is a teacher, there's a similar debate that is set up, and the role of King George in that episode is played by Minkus's son. Uh, on the show. That's pretty good. So it's kind of like a callback, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. From here, yeah, Corey is like, why are we learning about the past? It's all boring. This, is, this has already happened. We don't need to know changes. anything about it. I'm more interested in my future, not what's going on hundreds of years ago. And Feeney's like, This is right. the third episode, by the way, where Corey has said, nothing ever changes. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? This is the third episode where this has been the thing. And Feeney's got an idea. He's got a homework assignment for everyone. Everyone needs to go home and create the history for themselves for their 20th high school reunion. So... They are going to write out their future for the next 10 years or whatever it is. More than that. Something like that. 30, like 30 years, I guess, right? 20 year reunion from high school. They've got another 25, something like that. So yeah, they're going to write out what what they think is going to happen for the next 25, 30 years of their life. And uh, Minkus says he's marrying Topanga and Corey says he's going to (laughs) be a baseball player. Right. Uh, we go to the cafeteria where Corey and Sean, I still don't know this other kid's name. That's okay. His name is Larry and we're never going to see him again. Corey, Sean, and Larry are talking about their projects. Uh, Corey's talking about being an MLB player, center fielder for for the Phillies. Uh, I think Sean is like, I'm just going to be a mechanic like my dad. And Fire salesman like his dad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Larry. Larry. 
does he say his plan here? Or does that come up later? I can't remember. He does. He says he's going to be Feeny. He's going to suck up and make him feel good. Um, he's he's going to be Feeny. And Corey's like, you guys need to come up with something cooler than that. Like, you can do more than just being a tire salesman and you being a teacher. Like, do something cool. Come up with a cool future like I am. Like, being on the Phillies. And they're just like, ah, we're just going to take the easy way out on this. Another another piece of irony here is that Corey does say, like, you can be better than a sixth grade teacher, which is the exact job that he has in Girl Meets World. Mm. So. Um, Corey, we go back to the house. Corey and his mom. Well, we're are, not going to mention that they all they they end that scene by just doing the home improvement like man grunt. Like, <laughs> or uh, no. I can't do it. Um, they're talking about it, that show coming back. You know that home improvement. I feel like I have heard that. I don't really. It was news like this week. Um, I mean, I definitely watched a lot when I was a kid, but I don't really have much interest in a, in a reboot of that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, back in the, the day, house. Corey is making a baseball card of himself. Yep, they're working on the project at home, making a baseball card, making some posters, things like that. Uh, Morgan, it's pretty good. I think it's a lot of effort. It is. Morgan comes in. Uh, we find out that that gold necklace that her mom let her wear to the birthday party, she traded it for a pretty plastic one um, to some kid, and they did black, black, no trades back, so she can't get it back. Yep, it is gone. So uh, Amy calls this girl, Stephanie's parents, and says, hey, you know that necklace? I need it back. And the girl's mom says, sorry, black, black, no trades back. <laughs> hangs up on her. <laughs> what is, how ridiculous is that? Uh, we then go to the class where Minkus is showing Feeney his future plan. I guess this is a weird way to present these projects, in my opinion, don't you think? Well, the idea is that they're at the reunion. So they're not, you know, they're at oh, the they're reunion. Like mingling they're mingling around. Yeah, okay. they're talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the intent. I got it. Did it took me a minute to be like, what are they doing? And then I realized that's what they're doing. So, yeah, eventually you're supposed to go up to Feeney and tell them, like, what you've been up to for the last, since high school or whatever. And, uh, right. Yeah, Minkus is doing his little piece, and it's uh, like a tech mogul. Married, married Topanga. I think he gives him an A, right? I'm sure he did. It, it, of course, because because he, he's like, well, what about this, this, and this? He's like, well, here's my prospectus and my loan agreements and the my banking information and all that stuff. Yeah, and you can see around the class too, like everyone's like dressed up, like they're they're dressed for the part that they want to be for the future. So yeah. they go up one by one. They're explaining their futures to Feeny. Topanga's president, where men live underground and they're only brought up for breeding and everyone wears togas. I don't think they're brought up. I think the women go down. Just to go breeding. down there. <laughs> and she's also what? Everybody wears togas. Yeah. Everyone wears togas. Um, Feeney thinks it's pretty interesting, but I think she gets a pretty good grade too. And uh, I think Corey comes up after that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It gives him the whole spiel. So Corey tells Feeney he's going to be center fielder for the Phillies. For the Phillies, like, look, and I even have my own baseball card, and this is not well, it. Show, he doesn't show the baseball card. He shows him the, the like, fake Wheaties box. Oh, yeah, Wheaties box. And uh, Feeney starts asking Corey about all of his, like, finances and, like, what's his plan, like, if he can't play anymore and stuff like that. And, like, Corey's like, I don't care about that. I'm. This is all the stuff I did. Look at the stuff that I did. Like, I'm, Well, he says he's got guys. I got guys. I got guys to take care of that. And Feeney gives Corey an incomplete, says, until you think this all the way through, your project is not done. Corey. Two things here. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Corey feels like uh, Feeney is destroying his future. Yeah, he, his he does. I mean, this isn't just like a income. This is like you are ripping my dreams away from me. But a couple things like, first of all, I think the thing that really 
makes Feeney upset is that Corey's like, yeah, you know, in 11th grade, I got drafted into the minors. So like, he, and he says, like, he, didn't, he doesn't finish high school. The other thing that was, I think Feeney is just unfair to Corey. <laughs> like not just, in the, I mean, just over the episodes, like I just think he, he is unfair to him. I mean, but he that's, put a, he put that's a this whole show though. It's I mean, that like, is the premise. That is the premise, but he put a lot of effort into this. He did. And, and like the kid is what 11, 12 and you're wanting him to have like, a full-on plan for how he's going to invest this fake money that doesn't even exist. Like, he's got guys. That's what these athletes do. They got guys that take care of this. And no they don't no one else money. did any of this, right? I mean, besides Minkus, but I mean, you can't base everybody, you can't, you know, baseline off Minkus. Topanga's just ba- banging dudes underground. That's it. <laughs> Where did she's like, hey, look, I got it. Toga, I'm the president, and dudes are underground for, for <laughs> sex purposes. Like, that's it. Like, that's all she did. So we go back to the house. Corey's mad, of course. He's upset about this whole project thing. He's in his room. He's um, taking down all his like baseballs. Like he's crushed. His his dreams are crushed. He asks his brother what his plans are for the future, and I think his brother's like, "I'm buying this car, and this car's going to get me chicks." <laughs> <laughs> he does. So, uh, um, his dad comes Eric, in. He tells him that Eric, there's no point, and I, he calls Eric a poser, a poser, because uh, Feeney called Feeney went off on Larry about being him. He's like, "This is stupid. Someone does this every year. You're just a poser." Yeah, and uh, then his dad comes in. He's Alan like, does. "Corey, I don't care what Feeney says. You can be anything that you set your dreams to. Anything you want to be, you can be if you try for it." And uh, this this was kind of a depressing story, though. Yeah. Oh, like the bridges what? part. Yeah, where he's like, I wanted to be an engineer and build bridges, but instead I'm a manager in a supermarket. Yeah, he's like, I mean, uh, as you respectful. get older, I mean, dreams change. That's what happens. Yeah. And uh, now I, my dreams are changing now where I dream that I will be the father of a center fielder of the Phillies. There you go. And Corey says um, he knows that dreams come to an end at some point. You just have to wake up. I don't he's know learning that. quick. Learning yeah. quick. Yeah. So um, after this, we go downstairs. I think uh, Morgan's friend comes over, the one that they traded necklaces with, and her mom's come over too. And I think uh, the plan was Amy was going to ask Stephanie's mom once again to try to get this necklace back, but she's not giving it back. She, yeah. More, well, you know, Amy's being real nice and hospitable, and the woman's like, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you invited us over, but uh, you're not getting the necklace back. Yeah, so we go check in on Morgan and Stephanie in the kitchen where um, Morgan is going to try to get this necklace back. Like that's Well, we don't, we don't know that specifically. She, Morgan is like, hey, I've got all these brownies. And then she's like, but you can't have one. And I've got this tiara and you can't play with it. And then that, that's where we start to like, we, we very quickly realize what's up. Yeah, we go back to the parents who are talking in the living room. Uh, we find out that Stephanie's mom is a lawyer's wife and doesn't work and just gets whatever she wants, doesn't buy anything. Right. And Amy says, oh, well, that's where she gets her negotiation skills from. And then Stephanie comes out um, without a dress on. Her hat's not on anymore. She doesn't have the necklace anymore. And we find out that she traded for a brownie a My Little Pony, and a plastic tiara. And Morgan tricked her. She got everything back. And Morgan and her mom give each other a thumbs up. Yeah, and this is where we also find out that uh, that's not it for the trade. She also uh, got her mom's car as a deal, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she owes her the keys to the to whatever's parked out front. I hope they follow through and get that car. Yeah, me too. Like being probably something nice too. I bet just like a Mercedes or BMW, something nice. Yep. So uh, we go to Eric on the phone. Um, Corey runs in, and he's like, "Get off the phone. Call everyone you know. Jim Abbott is in the kitchen." Jim Abbott of we've what talked about recently. Years ago. What happened 30 years ago, fame? Yeah, yeah. you brought up the, his no-hitter uh, when he was playing for the Yankees. No-hitter for the Yankees just uh, a few weeks before, and now he's on Boy Meets World, in the kitchen, comes out and uh, tells them his story, uh, how he was doubted, how he had people that told him he couldn't do it, and uh, tells Corey, dream big, but you should, like I did, go to college have a backup plan, get discovered in college, and then you two can do it. So evidently, evidently, according to the internet, um, when Jim Abbott showed up to film the scene, he did not know he was actually going to be filming a scene. He thought he was just coming by to meet these kids and do like a real life, like <laughs> little like pep talk. And then they handed him a script and he was like, oh, okay. And now I'm now I'm on, on the show. Was he okay? Do we know like, was he mad yeah, about really, it? Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of information available yeah. except that it seems like it was just kind of like a, a simple miscommunication between his management and him. Um, obviously, he did it. Doesn't seem like there was a problem. I mean, I imagine if you're Jim Abbott and you show up at Boy Meets World and they're like, "Hey, you want to be on the show?" He's probably like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." So Corey is uh, now back on board. He's going to dream big. He's going to be a center fielder of the Phillies. Allen throws a couple balls over and says, "Hey, you mind signing these for the kids?" And then the rest of the neighborhood shows up with uh, baseballs. Except for Minkus, who shows up, but he's got a basketball because he doesn't know what sport Jim Abbott plays. Dumb joke. Didn't need to do it. Could have <laughs> left that out. Uh, we got a Corey in the backyard who's just like throwing balls up in the air, thinking baseball. A couple go over to Feeney's uh, yard. Feeney's over there. He uh, grabs the ball and throws it in the box. I guess he's been collecting all the balls that have gone over his fence for a really long time. Well, he tells him, he's like, look, I'm not giving your ball back until you learn to respect my property line. Uh, okay, old man. Old man, keep keep yelling at the clouds. Corey uh, tells Feeney, "Well, guess what? I'm going to go to college. Um, I'm going to do that first before I become a center fielder. But I'm not giving up my dream. I am going to be a major league baseball player in the future. And uh, but I do have a plan just in case it doesn't happen." And Feeney says, "Well, you uh, you did better than I expected, Matthews. Uh, I accept. Here's all your balls back. And dumps them all over Dumps the fence." Up. Yeah. Well, Feeney, I don't know, man. Feeney is just kind of cool. <laughs> uh, credit scene of Alan and Amy watching like a dating show on TV. Alan asks Amy uh, if she's okay with how his future turned out, uh, that he's not like the engineer that he wanted to be. And she says, uh, she says she's fine with it or whatever. And they start making out. Right. Yeah. And then Corey comes in. Corey comes in. Well, Corey's behind the couch, I think pops out. Starts filming again, and he's like, "Do something exciting, do something cool." And then Alan's like, "All right, well, how about a chase scene for your movie?" And then chases him upstairs. That's, That's what it. happens. That's I'm it. ready for I'm ready for Feeney to soften a little bit, and and Corey to be a little less annoying. And I think then we'll get then I'll get in the good groove with the show. But right now, yeah. I feel like Corey maybe, just maybe a little... season two. I don't think it's happened in season one. 
don't think it's gonna happen in season one either. But I, I just need I need Finney to be just a little less of a of a jerk and Corey to be a little less of an annoying. I don't know. Princess. I don't jerk Feeney doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Like I think these are this is his way of teaching, and I think he's getting things across to Corey. Like, he is getting things across, but I do think he is he is just a little. I think he's just a little too cruel to Corey. Like I think he, I honestly I would go so far as to say as I think he picks on Corey. I don't think it. I think at that point, teaching and and kind of being cruel start to blend. I think he sees so much potential in Corey and right, wants Corey to apply it. And and we know that, and that is the that is the theme of the show forever. But I just want to see him be a little softer about it and not be such a jerk. All right, we'll see if it happens. I don't remember if when it happens, but we yeah. we got plenty of time to figure it out. Hanging with Mr. Cooper, though. That's your 9.30 show, Season 2, Episode 10. Air Cooper is the name of this episode. It starts off, we got Coop coming in the kitchen talking to Nicole about, uh, she's got to write a report on a hero. She can't do her parents because everyone tries that. She's got to write it on someone else. Coop tries to suggest himself. And uh, I think that's what Nicole was thinking anyways, but says something like smart that like jokes on well, Coop here. I forget exactly. Because Mark's said. like, hey, you should do it about somebody who's handsome, athletic, and athletic. But he's like, you know, like really selling himself up. And she's like, oh, I was just going to do it on you. You know, for us. Why <laughs> <laughs> he's none of those things. Yeah. Good line. Uh, theme song. We come back to Geneva picking up around the house. Vanessa gets home. She's still looking for a job. She hasn't found anything yet. Coop comes out. He's got a hand vac in his hand. And uh, we find out he forgot to tell Vanessa that uh, Lowell called and uh, is coming, yeah, yeah, coming over to take Lowell. her out, right? Right, right. Uh, doorbell rings. It's Lowell. He's already there. And uh, we also find out that he's like a big advertising exec. And he is there for a date, though. Like, that wasn't clear at first to me. But he's there to take uh, Vanessa out. And he's real corny. He's like using all these like product slogans as pickup yeah. lines, and uh, he does recognize I, I do Coop s- though. He does recognize Coop from playing for the for, for the Gold State Warriors. I do want to say, I, normally we don't. I don't mention like if someone is a kind of a video game voiceover actor because I don't know how how really many people care about but that. This is Sonic the Hedgehog. No, no. but he this is, is Mario, the voice of Darth Vader in all of the Star Wars games, which I think is a pretty a pretty cool thing. And you could tell, like, he's got a real deep voice, but he is the dark, like, since the early 2000s, since, like, the, the PlayStation Xbox days, he is the voice of Darth Vader and all the Star Wars. Like, Lego movies. Star Wars and stuff, or not those? Well, I don't think that one, because I think they use, like, more, com- like, comedy-style actors, voice actors for that. I, I never played I think they have voice, I don't even know if they have voiceovers in the Lego game. I think they don't, I don't think they do. I think they have, like, Peanuts-style, like, rah, 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 rah. Oh, I don't know. But all like the Battlefront and and all the all the all the Star Wars. This games. is him. Lowell's the guy. Vader. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Lowell recognizes Coop from the Warriors, and he's like, "Hey, I got an idea. I got these uh, sneakers. We're gonna film a commercial. How would you like to be in the commercial?" And Coop's Mark's like, thrilled. "Oh yeah, put me in, Coach." <laughs> uh, we go to the school. It's basketball practice or PE class or something. It seems like a lot of people for basketball practice, but uh, I think it's gym class. Yeah, Nicole is uh, carrying a video camera. She's or a still camera, I think, right? It's a still camera. It, yeah, it's yeah. just a film. Camera. She's taking pictures of Coop because she's working on this hero project. Needs a bunch of pictures of him doing different hero-like things, I guess. And uh, I wrote, oh, Nicole tells Irvin that Mark is going to be in the commercial, right? Right, and then that kind of Mark, excuse me, flushes that out for the class. Yep, he lets everyone know. PJ comes in. She already knows about the commercial from Geneva. 
Mark wants permission to film the commercial in the gym, says it'll make money for the school. They're going to pay two grand to rent it. And uh, she says no, unless he can get her a pair of those shoes. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I gotcha. Well, I think what I think what puts her over is because he's like, look, it's they the want to pay people to, to be, put her over, right? Uh, I think that she just throws that in at the end because what she's like, hey, look, they're gonna pay people at the school to be extras and they'll, they'll buy new uniforms. And she's like, I don't care about uniforms. I need money for math classes. I need money for science classes. I need I need money. And he's like, well, they are they're also offering to pay two grand to rent the place. And she's like, tell them if they give me a pair of shoes, then they're good to go. Okay. Like, I think it was the two grand, and she was just like, tack on those shoes while you're at it. Uh, we go back to the house where Vanessa has terrible news, she says. Um, they send Nicole upstairs, and Vanessa tells Geneva that she looked at the commercial storyboards in Lowell's office, and she says, Mark comes off real bad in this commercial. They have him wearing some Bobo shoes. Um, they, ha- they talk about him being cut from the Warriors, and they're going to make him look like just this awful player in the commercial. Yeah, he's basically the anti anti, you know, figure in this in this commercial. Uh, Mark comes down. They don't want to tell him, but they know they need to tell him. Coop's so excited for the commercial, and uh, he's t- he tells them he just found out too that this commercial is going to be played worldwide in like every country, and he's just kind of like envisioning what it's going to be like when he's a worldwide superstar. I mean, he's going to get paid a lot. Um, he'll probably make more off this commercial than he did for the 10 days he played for the for the Golden State Warriors yeah it's possible uh, next we go to uh, commercial day they are filming at the school Coop still doesn't know exactly what's going down with the commercial Nicole's there shooting photos for her project they start filming and the director just like pretty much wants to get some shots of Coop playing basketball so says uh oh, shoot the ball from over here and he's like and then you can start telling like the director's getting a little upset that coop keeps well, making, Mark's all making the, shots. the shots he's like doing well he's warming up he's making these shots and the there's like just kind of frustrated yeah because like we know that this is supposed to make coop look bad but uh right. coop just still does not know that's the whole plan so right right he's like oh shoot from over there shoot from over there coop ends up like breaking the rim on a dunk and then he's like yeah, that was so stupid just chuck the ball up there is what he says so then eventually coop just throws the ball doesn't make it he's like that was perfect uh go take a little break i've got some good footage and coop goes and sits down in like a chair right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, he yeah he goes take the break and then geneva comes over and she has somehow also got a copy of the script, and she hands it to Mark, and then Mark sees what's up. Yeah, so she, he's mad. He knows what's he's going mad. He's on ready now. to fight. He he's ready to take Lowell outside, and not knowing that Lowell is the master of the force and can just death choke him at any moment. PJ comes in at this point too. She's all dressed up. She thinks she's going to be like a star in this commercial. I don't think that's happening. Um, <laughs> Coop tells PJ. You throw her in the crowd easy. Nobody would notice. He's like, I'm not doing the ad. They're trying to make me look bad. Um, I know the school needs money. Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> well, P- PJ's like, you have to do it. Like they've already like the check is already. There's already cleared. a contract written, right? Yeah, and then Irvin comes in with his pants falling down. He's and and Mark looks at him, and realizes like they really need new uniforms. So I got to do this so these kids don't have their pants falling around. Like, falling down around their ankles. Yeah, I'm assuming commercial break here. We come back. The filming continues. Mark's now wearing his Bobos. And Coop keeps just reminding himself, this is for the school. I'm doing this for the school. Um, Then the director unveils. Well, PJ comes in and says, hey, I want to be in the the shot. And the the director's like, all right, 
you uh, you stuff Mark next time he comes up to the to the basket. And that's when they drop the banner. And the banner says, those who can play, those who can't teach Jim. And everyone gets furious the when they drop this thing. The whole room. The whole room, like, just, like, is ready to pounce. Everyone turned on the director at this point. Coop goes over, rips down the banner off the wall. Everyone's cheering now. Lowell says, hey, I got a contract. You got to do this. There's no, and I got enough footage anyway, so I can just, I can make it like it is. PJ stands up, starts threatening Lowell. Then Nicole's in on it. Everyone's Mark's standing up. Yeah. Everyone believes in like the kids and the kids' future, and uh, they run Lowell and the entire crew straight out of the gym. They do. They do. So everyone's celebrating. Yeah, we did it. And then we go a little later at home watching TV. Doorbell rings. It's PJ. She's there to talk about a teacher's meeting. Geneva comes out to tell them, hey, the commercial's about to come on. I think it was Geneva. It might have been Vanessa. But uh, hey, the commercial's about to come on. Turn on the TV. So they turn on the TV. And I don't know what happened, but it's a completely different ad than we all thought it was going to be. Everything looks like Coop is a superstar. He's dunking. He's shooting. It is very positive and uh, not just positive to that, but also positive to him being a teacher and him like encouraging the kids and things like that. It makes him look like he is a hero, which ties right back into Nicole's project. Right. I hated this commercial. I thought it was an awful commercial, but it has got a tagline at the end of it that could be easily be used by any shoe company, Nike, whoever, and it would be awesome. And I was like, man, this is an awful commercial. And they had that tagline. I was like, that tagline is amazing. It is, don't just play, make a difference, which I think is an incredible, incredible tagline for a, a shoe commercial. Hey, you might be onto something. Might be time to make some what money. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, everyone loves it except PJ because she didn't get her close up. But Vanessa says, yeah, this is what happened. Lowell actually got fired for everything that happened, and his boss made this ad. So they're all happy. Nicole reminds Coop this is why she picked him for the Hero Project. End of episode. We do get a credit scene, though. Hold on, real quick before we get to the credit scene, because there was was another good line here that I really liked from PJ. Because when she comes in, she's like talking about the teacher's meeting, like you said, and Geneva's supposed to be making brownies. And Geneva's like, I don't think you were, you know, you the last time I made brownies, you took the whole pan. They didn't make it to the teacher's meeting and you still haven't returned the pan. And and uh, PJ's like, I just want some brownies. And they go through the whole commercial and blah, blah, blah. And then as they're like walking into the kitchen, PJ says, do you really need a pan to make brownies? Like, <laughs> like she just wants those brownies so bad. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, so good. Uh, anyway, our credit scene here is just like commercial outtakes and also stills from Nicole's project kind of like blended together. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like behind the scenes fun. of the commercial, photos of Coop. That's it. It was good. Yeah. It was good. So that's it. Those are our four episodes of the week. We do uh, usually review or rate the episodes of our favorite. This is just what we like the most and not the most, but... Uh, I don't think I'm completely ready. Let me see. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good. I feel good. I, I feel I'll like it honest. was a weak week. See, I was going to disagree. Oh. I thought Family Matters step by step, and or excuse me, Family Matters Boy Meets World and um, Cooper were really strong. I liked all three of those a lot. Uh, so I'm going to put step by step at four. 
Uh, I'm probably going to go with Boy Meets World at three, Cooper at two. And I thought Family Matters was the strongest. I could go either way on Step by Step and Cooper. Or excuse me, I keep doing that. Boy Meets World and Cooper. Um, I thought both of those were good. I, I thought those top three were, I liked them all. I thought they were real strong episodes. Yeah, I didn't really like anything this week. Um, okay. I put Boy Meets World at four, uh, Step by Step at three, Family Matters at two, Coop at one. But really any of them could be any order. Like I felt like they're, they're still using the same stories over and over again. We've not had a lot of difference. Um, and I don't know. I'm a little worn out by these shows right now. I need something. I need something different to happen. See, I think I was coming off of last week where I just felt I, that's how I felt last week. Yeah. I was like, Gee, just do something different. I thought this week there was a lot more variety. You know, some of the, a lot of some of the like reoccurring themes were very sparse and like few between. But um, I thought I liked this week. I thought it was a good week. I do know uh, we talked about this before the show. I think I think in a couple of weeks we'll, when we get to our next episodes, we got some holiday stuff coming up, which is always an interesting. What, know, what are we doing next week for the show? Yeah. So next week, all reruns. So what we're going to do is we did we kicked it off last year. Last year was the inaugural kind of Thanksgiving episode that we did on the show. So we'll do it again this year. This will be the now uh, Steve really gets picky about this verbiage. So this will be the second annual uh, Thanksgiving episode where we're going to talk about what we're thankful for over the last year, whether it's, you know, stuff on the shows, whether it's stuff on our show, um, anything related to TGIF. And, it's, and it's all going to be two guys in the Fridays related, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're not talking exactly. about like, I'm thankful that my daughter scored a goal in soccer or something like that. No, I mean, I'd be thrilled if my kid did anything. This but, is all um, show related to, yeah, podcast and TGIF shows related over the last exactly. year. Exactly. So we'll do that next week. Uh, thank you once again to Nikki for the theme song this week. Yes, Nikki. Thanks so much. TGIFcast at gmail.com if you want to send in your own at TGIFcast on all social media. We'll be back next week with a uh, Thanksgiving, I think we might have called it an extravaganza episode last week. I don't remember. I don't remember what we called it, but it'll be the second annual. I'll I'll look it back. It'll be second annual. Have a good week, Steve. You got it, dude.